Hello everyone, this is your host Nazuk Jain for the Product Career Show. I'm a product manager in fintech startup and twice a month I sit down with a product management leaders and discuss all things product leadership. You can find me on Instagram or LinkedIn with the username product career. So without further ado, you're now listening to our discussion with our guest. Thank you so much, guys. I am so excited to have you. Uh, why don't we start with introductions? And I want to know a little bit about your backgrounds. Of course, I know, but for the listeners, about your backgrounds and also what, like from TDA, you know, creative, you know, what, what kind of placements, what does creative, TDA creative do? Yeah, I guess um, thinking about my background, I've been in recruitment since 2007, which makes me feel very old. Um, I joined TDA as it was my first career move actually into recruitment. So starting in 2007, uh, we, were, we were training under a different brand at the time. It was very much IT recruitment. So it was a little bit more generalist recruitment where it would be any roles we were recruiting for from like IT support to project managers to then maybe IT directors, a complete range. So think the complete opposite from the specialist roles that we perform now, right? So complete generalist. Uh, working across a range of different clients, predominantly London-based, so there might be financial services, some startups, fintechs, uh, business process outsourcing organisations. I had a good number of years sort of, you know, working with some great people, the business grew, and then I took out, I made a decision to change um, to another company in London, um, which was great. I had two years at a company there that gave me, I guess, two opportunities to work on site at clients. So it's almost like an internal role, but you're still working on behalf of the agency. So you get to see like everything from that side of the fence. It's a completely different world. And that's really been integral to my learning. So I had two years there and returned back at TDA, um, probably coming up to close to a year now or a year in the summer um, to head up the product division. So I guess I've been more product focused for the last three or four years um, from more of a generalist background. And interestingly enough, the relationships that we forged at the start of my career, you know, they're still, we're still in touch with those guys, but yeah, loving the job, working with great people like Chris and uh, building a team at, at TDA at the moment um, and just working with a real range of clients. So huge, exciting, and no doubt we'll get to tell you a bit more about it as the talk goes on. So in terms of myself, I've been a recruiter for almost three years now. I started off in tech recruitment with developers, C-sharp, Java, DevOps, et cetera. Then I moved over to working with network engineers working with SREs, DevOps engineers, developers again. And then I moved over to TDA about a year and four months ago. Um, I started working the design market with UX and UI um, and UX researchers from that. I actually transitioned into working product management roles, direct level roles and leadership roles, um, mainly with clients over in the US, in San Francisco. Now we've got a lot more over in New York City and across the US, so it's exciting. Um, and in terms of TDA, um, we are a specialist recruitment agency that specializes in building in-house design product and tech teams. I and Gary live and work in London, where the majority of our roles and clients are in the US from San Francisco to New York City. We work with a wide range of clients. Most of them are financial services based. Some of them are within fintech, health tech, prop tech, startups, consultancies, e-commerce, blockchain, etc. And um, we, we currently work a lot of product management roles out there. Most of them are mid to senior level and direct level onwards. So it's exciting times, lots of roles, lots of positions, lots of movements. And uh, that's why we're here to have a chat with you. And 
that's why I'm so excited to have you guys. It's a variety of roles you have and also specific, specifically in product space. So product management, product career community is a lot of people like aspiring product managers, you know, either fresh grads or also in different disciplines wanting to move into product. But we also have a lot of designers as well uh, in, in our community as well. So UX design folks, and I know that's also another position you, you highly focus on. And specifically, you, so many different industries, which are, um, you know, now, right now, like in a hot space as well, fintech, blockchain as well. So I think what we're going to do today is throughout the session, we're going to dive into specifically what do hiring managers look for when they're hiring the product managers. And so I have a set of questions, um, you know, for you both, and I want to deep dive into, you know, the mindset from the hiring managers. But in the last, so I know, uh, Gary, you touched a little bit on your background, how we, how you started from like the generalist and now into more specialist roles. I want to, you know, dive a little bit into, have you seen a, any like surge in demand for product roles, like any specific roles? And in, in product, if you have like, have you seen a surge in demand in specific uh, domains or specific industries specifically looking for product managers? You know, from a TDA perspective, we've always been, um, I guess we've been built off tech, given that was our start, but then design for us was hugely successful. Um, but now we've added product in not too long ago, which I guess firstly gives you a suggestion on how busy the market is and our clients are hiring. You know, it, it, we need a team to deliver for our clients, first, first of all. And I think just being at, that, at the cold face of the market, product management is hugely popular. As we know, it's, it's a relatively still a relatively new discipline, um, you know, so there's still things to be learned, but hugely popular. And, um, and I think even that's across all levels. You know, that's not just at, at senior level where, you know, we might have on one month a little bit more activity at senior level for certain individuals but every organization is different and I feel like the sectors that we are finding and I can only speak really what's happening with us right now and it's not contained to this at all so there'll be a, a wealth of market that we aren't touching that we need to so our, our three main are like uh, crypto for sure has been exponential in terms of growth in the last six months for product managers and that's whether that's um, yeah, really financial services organizations building crypto platforms themselves so, you know, that's been a big popular um, demand there for product people to run that. Uh, we're also looking at um, health tech, which we naturally know, not just because of the pandemic, but is always going to be a busy space. It just seems to be the last 12 months, the amount of startups in that world and also established businesses, which are um, really honing in on, on new products. And some of the companies we can talk about what they're doing and their missions are so meaningful. It's, it's actually a boom in that space as well. And not just because of, um, you know, COVID. So again, so that's crypto, health tech and consumer lending is our third market where mm -hmm. it's just the amount of startups in that world. And then also the established businesses that are going through digital transformations. It's just the whole wealth of people need product managers because whether it's, um, you know, they're re-architecting a product or they're building new products from scratch or there's new features need to be added. We need product managers to take control of this. So they're the three. And I think that, Lockdown has constituted to a lot of that. People are at home now. People might have time to learn about crypto, trade more in crypto, et cetera. We know it's a lot more public facing. Health tech, naturally, it's on the sort of forefront of people's minds because of the obvious, but also beyond that, there's, there's companies coming, coming from that. 
and consumer lending, which might be, you know, mortgage brokers, it might be peer-to-peer -peer lending. And, and again, that's hugely popular because a lot of it now is digitalized and online and it's just spaces we see that are very busy. Um, you know, that's not even talking about e-commerce and, and probably insure tech as well, which we need to focus on. So they're the three main growth areas, which I've seen a big surge um, as per your question. Um, but there's an awful lot more out there that are benefiting from the scenarios we're in and others that will benefit from us coming out of lockdown and, and you know, getting back to if there is some sort of normality, they will benefit again from back from that. So the, the future is very bright in that respect. Yeah, absolutely. You know, obviously there's this huge spectrum um, of, you know, product manager as a role myself, you know, I've worked in both large companies and very small startup, you know, with like 40 people. And so product manager role in general is like a, on a huge spectrum, depending on the country, the company, excuse me, um, that you work in, right? So whether it's a large company, uh, mid-stage, like a growth company or a small startup, and also it your role can also like vary um, in terms of like industry as well. So I wanna, you know, both you know, I from both of you actually, what have you seen like when you're scanning candidates? Like that's that's the first door even to getting to the hiring managers, right? When you're scanning candidates resumes, what type of resumes or you know stand out to you? Let's let's I think let's start at the beginning of the process there. Of course, I'll, I'll take this one to start with. So in terms of scanning resumes, yes, there's a lot of people out there looking for product manager roles. And for me, the ones that stand out are the ones that have already got product management titles, either in their current role, their previous role or what they aspire to be. Like if they if they don't specifically have product magic, it can sometimes be hard to understand what is it they're looking for, because even some people that are looking to be a product manager may not understand the difference between program manager, project manager, and product manager and how they differentiate so widely, whether it be actually managing people, managing a project or managing a product itself, which wouldn't actually have anyone working underneath them necessarily. So product manager in the title, whether you have it in your recent experience or if you've gone out there, created your own product and then call yourself a product manager, like similar to CEO, then that could be a good way of, of getting that title in your resume. Um, from that, we look at education to make sure that they've actually been to some sort of either school or university to kind of understand um, how to be a product manager or the kind of skills that are required for it. And you can come from any background whatsoever, whether it be development focused like software engineering, whether it be design focused like UX and UI. Uh, whether it be marketing, whether it be communication, whether it be public relations, et cetera, like you can come in from any facet into product management, but you need to have some sort of understanding of how, how you get there. Um, anyway, regardless, from that main skills we're looking for, especially with the organizations we're working with, is have you worked in a true agile environment? Have you worked with sprint planning? Have you done the scrums? Um, how, how have you worked with the engineering teams, the, the design teams, et cetera? Um, a good looking resume is always best like when it's visually appealing when it's easy to walk through when it's two to three pages long as opposed to like five pages plus um because we're conscious of our time in terms of how long we're spending looking at a resume and the actual hiring managers themselves um also having links to their linkedin profile having their email address phone number um their location 
or where they might want to be located is always helpful as well to understanding where this person's looking to go. Um, so anyway, that's that's briefly from my side. How about you, Gary? Yeah, I think visually it's it's important, you know, just for clarity, conciseness, and to the point. And it's easy to say. And I think it's a really good question because I think actually it's one of the most difficult things to do is to write a resume, um, you know, to have, especially if you're maybe coming into the industry, because it's kind of trying to point pinpoint what is it what is it you need to put down that's going to um, I don't know peak interest of the hiring manager. What is it they're going to be looking for? And I think that that's kind of difficult to do it from like an, an entry level, but I feel like looking from anyone that has got product experience, certainly highlighting what experience you have. And that sounds really silly, but like what part of the product have you owned? You know, is it end to end? You know, is it just, um, have you owned just a feature? You know, what is it you're looking to do? Let's look at some of the, the conversions of that. What were you integral? What, what did your work, what results did your work actually bring on that particular product? And if it failed, that's all good. You know, what did you do as a result of that? What did you learn from that? And it's kind of just keeping things a little bit, um, I guess, focused on what you have done as an individual in the product world. I think that's kind of makes it a lot easier and it's almost bringing it down a level to explain exactly the part that you have owned. But from a resume perspective, what stands out, and again, as you mentioned already, so many different organisations now and every piece of criteria could be different. Yeah. Um, some would want individuals from schools, Ivy League only, or some that don't, and some that aren't, it, it doesn't matter. And it's kind of, that's the joy that we have in our role because we'll, we'll have that information by speaking to the, the client firsthand and really knowing what they want and then marrying up the culture aspects, but I'm pretty digressing to another question. So I think, look, keep it clean, concise to the point and talk about what you have done and all the, all the aspects that Chris has talked about, like links, certifications, highlight them. Um, and I think just from a length perspective, which a lot of people ask the question, like what's a good length? I mean, yeah, I mean, look, one page would be brilliant, but it's hard and I know it is, but, but three, a three would be max, I would say. I mean, it's not a written rule, but um, just, for, uh, just for, I guess, you know, ease of um, like just a visual. I think that's kind of like the rule of thumb, but yeah, it, it's not an easy task by any stretch of the imagination. That, that's great. So I'm going to slightly double down on a couple things there regarding like education and certification, right? So from getting the real experience, if you've been a product manager, that's great. You know, you have that as a title on your resume, you have some experience to show. But in terms of like education and certification, is there um, from like, let's say from hiring managers perspective or companies, what are companies looking for? Um, I know at least in the US, there is not, I think there's maybe one or two colleges that, that are now coming up, like now means like in the last one or two years that have very dedicated like product management, like a full year of study. But I know from college perspective, at least at the time when I studied, there was nothing, you know, no product management school specifically. Um, but these days there's certifications you could do and also maybe one or two colleges are starting to come up with a full program. So from education perspective, is this from companies, do they look for MBAs? Do they look for CS degree? Do they look for, you know, any other degrees? Like what is there like specific, like what has your experience been in this like uh, quite, you know, area? It depends on the role. Okay. But yeah, it depends on the role, the position, the company. But Gary, if you want to take this. Yeah, no, without a doubt, and it's, it's exactly that. <clears throat> if we look at the multiple searches I've got open at the moment, a 
lot of the education piece and maybe the schools that some people go to are down to the cultural element because that's just generally maybe what runs through the company. And that's a really unique case. Um, but that's more of a building on the culture of the business rather than just your skill sets, right? It doesn't mean you're, you can't apply for these roles and be successful if you haven't gone to these schools. So I'm not saying that at all, but we do see an eye for some organisations to have, you know, a little bit more interest in some, some different schools than others. Um, MBAs, yeah, everyone, if there's an MBA on it, you know, from a recruitment perspective, we'd, we'd sell that straight away and go, look, MBA, and that's it. And it kind of makes, makes the job easier. Um, I think what's interesting when we talk about education, it's probably why I love the product world so much. When we look at the tech world, computer science, you know, there's only a few, I'm not saying there's only a few degrees, right? But people are looking for those types of degrees. But I think Chris alluded to the point earlier on, you can come from like politics. You, we've placed people all over from who, who study completely different courses and they, they may not be relevant to product, but product for, for us is, you know, and the clients we work with, it's about communication and applying yourself and, and being that forever learner. And kind of, there's a lot more softer skills that go into the product world that we can highlight. It doesn't necessarily mean that you can't change career or you can't, you have to set off at a school specifically for a career in product management. You can, you can, I don't think anyone really does that. You know, I don't, you know, like you say, there's only a few schools now which are starting along that path, which is great for the industry. Um, but I feel like no one's done that before. And it's certainly, I think people, when they're into product, they think, actually, do you know what? I can, you know, I've got self-awareness. I can self-manage. I can, um, you know, I've got emotional intelligence. I can communicate with technical people. Um, actually, I've got a wealth of apps on my phone that I hugely enjoy working with for these reasons. Why not have a look at, you know, a course, an agile course, and then become a product manager? You know, it's kind of, I feel like that sort of way of thinking. So education isn't isn't necessarily a tick box where it might be sometimes in tech where I feel like it's a little bit more they need a comp side degree necessary for a particular role got it got it thank you from Canada's perspective I want to talk about the interview process and the PM interview process, and does that differ if they if the product managers are interviewing for startups versus going for large companies? Is there a drastic difference, or are they kind of similar, same, or like what has your experience been? Eric, good question. Yeah, good question. And we to start off with, there is actually what I feel there is somewhat of a um, similar process throughout. Variants, of course, on the different sizes of organizations. Um, I guess to, to give you a typical example of what an interview process could look like would be, um, and this is at startup or maybe a more established business, is a, a call with the hiring manager, first and foremost, which is vitally important from our perspective because we want candidates speaking to the hiring manager straight away because that just builds rapport and can gain mutual interest, you know, without wasting time. So that's, that's you know, usually the first point of contact, good chance to go through experience and resume, learn more from the manager about the actual role and the deliverables, et cetera, and then just sort of um, ensure that that's a good conversation to continue to the next steps. And then the next steps um, would normally look a little bit more like a panel-based interview. Mm -hmm. And I guess they've changed a lot over the last 12 months in what they look like, uh, instead of being sort of put into a room with, with four or five people from different parts of the business. Of course, they're spread now over Zoom calls and, you know, a little bit less uh, intimidating and stuff like that. But um, I feel like it's a panel interview and in that panel interview, there'll be a discussion 
more than likely with people from different parts of the business. So it could be someone from sales, marketing, engineering, purely because from a product perspective, there'll be a touch point through the business. So again, that communication part with other, with other teams is going to be vital. So that's one of the, the reasons why the teams are usually, um, I guess, they, they are mixed. And then there'll be, and this is probably where the differences come in. Some companies will maybe ask the candidate to perform like a live user case, or they might have um, a certain topic for them to present on. And there's actually a company we work with, a health tech company at the moment in, in California, and, and they have a really interesting task where they really they want someone to describe, you know, whether that maybe a project, a problem, or an opportunity uh, they've had in the last two years that, that they've driven. And they have to describe that opportunity to the team, I guess, giving enough detail for the people to understand the complexities of that, because they have no information on this beforehand. So again, it's looking at how they communicate this. The task, you know, what goal was it that where they what they were working towards and the actions of that. So again, like what actions did they take to address the situation? So they're looking there at thought pattern, execution, clarity around communicating what they were doing. And of course, then the results. Um, interestingly, in one of one of the profiles they say, they say, and don't be shy about taking credit for any good work, because I think most people would probably say, here the results, and you know, maybe a little bit shy about what they do. So I think with that, you know, and also being able to provide like metrics or any data if possible about the results um, is kind of key. And then the final element of that particular panel is lessons learned. So this that's almost like your presentation about, and it could be, it's not necessarily a product that you've run. We could probably all bring this into like any day-to-day -day situation that we've had. But it gets you, what, what I think it does from a product perspective, it gets you thinking about those, those typical scenarios of like describing the situation, looking at the task, action, result, and lesson, which we can apply to all product work. Um, so that's kind of their process, which I thought would be interesting to say. And then after the panel, after that usual second stage, there's usually maybe a CEO call or chief of staff or someone else that will be more of a, a values fit, cultural fit, and a good chance to Q&A. So some vary some will be a longer processes some will be a lot shorter but um i guess there's an indication that's kind of like the standard that right. we see whether it's startup or not and we advise startups as well on what the process should look like um usually when we say like a half an hour phone call is enough because we want them to go in they don't usually take that but there'll be this as a, a maybe it's your standard process right now we touched a little bit on on this previously so from in terms of in this whole hiring process, of course, um, there's a technical round of interview that uh, design or technical that the product managers go through and product managers work uh, directly day in and out with the engineers. Is there um, an expectation in terms of like the technical knowledge for PMs and to what extent? Right, design and technical knowledge, like from, you know, how, how technical do they need to be? To give you an example, and actually I think I was discussing this with Chris a little bit earlier today about a role that we've got. In all the time that I've worked in product, and it might just be because of the clients I've worked with, we've never had a product manager who's been asked to code, mm. right? So it's, it's the technical levels and probably the most technical role I'm working now is actually um, around designing APIs. So again, but they're, they're designing APIs for developers mm -hmm. and they have to keep in mind the developer experience when they're designing the APIs. So there has to be that level of knowledge to that extent. But, you know, I kind of feel like, yes, if you have a comp side degree, which certainly, certainly is welcome, 
-hmm. I feel that that really just gives you that credibility um, and opportunity to communicate effectively with engineers. And that's really what we're looking at. And probably I'd imagine, and obviously not being technical myself and not being a product manager myself, it's kind of, I'd like to think you could probably spot some of the nuances or any challenges ahead of time if you do have that technical base. But overall, like when I think it scares people, the term like being a technical product manager, because naturally they think, well, I don't code or, you know, and I'm not, and again, I might be, there might be loads of roles out there that require it, but I've just never seen them and never touched upon it. So for me, there's never been a hands-on need to be technical. Design is the the way that those two, I guess, domains are like closing in on each other and becoming one is crazy. Like every, every, if I, if there's any advice, I'd say if you're looking to go down the technical route, if you're technical, great. But if the question I always ask about candidates, do they have a design mindset? Mm-hmm. You know, can they do any wireframing? And, and it might be because their design team isn't as advanced as they want them to be. Or actually, it's because these guys work so closely together now that when you're looking at the product, you're looking at the UI, you want a product manager who's going to make decisions and be confident in that because they, they actually have that. And it's almost, I think it's called an empathy with UX mm-hmm. mindset and that thinking. And that, that will be, I think, every call we have every day, there'll be a mention of it. So that just shows how close those two are coming together. So... Hope that helps give us some insight into those two elements that how they work with product. Absolutely, Chris. Any you know has your experience been similar? So it's definitely been similar. The only reason I can see as to why there'd be a technical product manager that has a comp side degree would be because they'd be understanding um, where where it best fits in the software development lifecycle in terms of understanding which things need to go first into production to be able to get them out the quickest and understanding how much time something will actually take to create a product or a feature or an application to be able to get it shipped out the fastest and that's that's the only thing i can see but if you've got a really good strong product manager regardless and what i mean by strong is someone that understands how to communicate effectively then they'll be able to effectively speak with either the architect or the engineering manager or the tech lead or whoever might be to be able to understand how fast can this get rolled out and and what are the steps taken that we need to take to be able to get it rolled out and and how how likely is it going to be the case but aside from that yeah unless it's something really technical then you don't really need to have that technical background per se you just need to be able to communicate effectively yeah yeah i think that's a good point actually about there there probably are roles out there that require extreme technical experience because the product per se is really complex and maybe actually it might be a startup that don't have an engineering team or might have one CTO and they need someone to complement those skill sets so there will be nuances to that I don't think it's like everyone doesn't need to be you know technically hands-on but in our experience it's it's more you know of a mindset and um, if you can understand it rather than, than hands-on coding. Yeah no I think that's a that's a very good point um, and I just don't think of like technical there are obviously roles out there sometimes they'll even say like a technical product manager is, is really what they need, right? Companies like, I don't know, um, Amazon, like very, very technical products like Amazon Web Services, right? AWS. It is so dependent on the stage the company is at and the kind of product they have, like we, like you said, right? The kind of product. So if it's a very technical product, they will need a technical person. Or if it's a, let's say, a design heavy, you know, if they're building a app, right? Mobile app they might need somebody who has that design sense and then that kind of merging that with the product manager. So 
I think what you're saying to all what you've said, just additional, I think a couple of points here is dependent on um, the company, the type of product it is and what stage the company's at, the product manager requirement can like vary and can be on like a spectrum. So it's, it's just um, what the company is looking for and what the candidate, you know, has the passion for, I think as well. Yeah, definitely. Just one last thing to add to that. I mean, it depends on where the life cycle of the actual organization is. You'll get very large organizations that will need technical product managers to that degree, like Gary said, with APIs, for example. But then you also you have startups where they may not have as many engineers. And so the product manager may need to get hands on themselves, in which case a technical degree and a technical understanding of how to actually influence the product to get out faster, then, then that's, uh, that's another important part. But uh, Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Very good point. Very good point. Um, I'm going to move us along into my um, favorite question, compensation. <laughs> compensation ranges that you might have seen. Now, I know this varies a lot and I know it's very dependent on geography, you know, where you're located and so many things. Generally, generally, you know, what has the ranges that you've seen, you know, with startups and with maybe large companies and if, you know, there's a difference. Yes, again, it's a good question. Um, one that even when we're going to pitch a client or we're going to speak to a client about a new role, we have a figure in mind of what the, what the comp should be. And sometimes it's, it's, it's widely different. So <laughs> we have to then educate on the market. So um, I guess the start, startup world will, be, will traditionally traditionally be, um, well, let's just start off with locations, right? So if we go like maybe East Coast, West Coast as an average, and these will vary. So I would say like from product analyst, uh, to product owner, to product manager, to then senior project manager in those sort of those, that category, I'd say like anything from, from like 90 to 180 to like seniors is pretty, that's where, where we land on the seniors. And, We've placed um, recently some um, product analysts and product owners um, at the 90-ish to 100K. Um, so that's more on the East Coast. And then it's really hard because I feel like with the West Coast, it can be anything from like 15 to 20 to 25% more. Um, and I guess it depends on, that is traditionally, there's always more because of the cost of living, right? But um, yeah, I would, I would use that. So I'd go like 90 90 to 100, give or take, and these aren't, you know, set in stone, but like for, for your brand list, for your product owners, project managers, one, 110 to 130 or 40, and then your seniors, 140 to 180. And they're quite big ranges because it can be every company's different, but that's probably kind of the categories. And then for your startup world, and it's so competitive, this is how competitive the market is now. People are offering um, RSUs, they're offering sign-on bonuses, because it's very much a candidate-driven market at the moment. And what I mean by that is that a lot of candidates, the good candidates, they're getting a lot, a lot of offers and clients are scrambling to secure their signature for that particular role. So the clients, the candidates are at this time of the market where we see um, supply and demand, like there's, there's, there's not enough, right? So we need, they, the, the candidates can, can actually dictate a little bit. And, um, you know, I guess with that in mind, we're seeing startups offer RSUs and, um and options with that package but the basic salaries to the startup may well be a little bit lower because of that equity component 
So there has to be some sort of matchup. And, and most of the companies that are mission driven, even like the health tech companies we work with, they might offer a little bit less on the base mm -hmm. because then there will be after a one year cliff, there'll be equity, but that does, you're, you're in for the mission, right. right? So that kind of, it's not just a money driven move. And then you'll see some of the more financial services businesses who might operate at a high level on comp, maybe an annual bonus, but not so much on the RSUs, dependent on the companies. So I probably look at those as like a, as a, as a base like range, the 90 to the 180, with maybe four positions in there. And then the different organizations will give you a different range depending if they're startup or established, but hopefully it's close enough to, to what we see in the market. So uh, with a few factors, I guess that kind of dictates the comp as well. So the stage the company's at, you know, whether they're just starting up like a startup growth stage or large company, and then also the industry domain they're in, um, number of years of experience from the candidate they're looking for, uh, location, that's that's four. Anything else? Sort of like, a, you know, things to be kind of putting, you know, when, when candidates are doing their own research to be looking at different factors. The thing is, I mean, it completely varies. I mean, Gary's, Gary's given a, a massive range in terms of established organizations, startups, et cetera. And, and to be honest, there's no one number out there. I think the main thing to do for a candidate to understand their worth in the market is to really do research, which you'll do anyway as a product manager. And that's both Google searching, looking at stuff, especially in the US, you've got like levels that FYI, which is actually fairly representative sometimes, um, especially with the larger organizations like Google, Facebook, Amazon, et cetera, which pay a lot more than a lot of the more established organizations, financial services that we work with and the startups that we work with as well. But main thing a candidate can do to up their value is to, to really nail down their pitch as to who they are as a person, um, what they can bring value to. And then basically just to flip the table and instead of saying their range first, they would ask, Aside from with external recruiters, where I think they should be upfront and because external recruiters for the most part are looking in their interest to get them as much as possible, which is how we get paid. But if they're speaking with internal recruiters or, or organizations directly, they need to really ask the question, you know what, I'm looking for a competitive seller in the market. What are you looking to pay for this position? And then just go from there, really. And you can kind of determine what levels they're looking to pay. Unfortunately, for the most part in the US, they don't really give salary ranges until the end of the process, which by that point, you don't really know where you're valued at. Um, but I think it, it, it just varies, really. And I think the only way you can do it is to go to multiple interviews, speak to multiple people, speak to, to people that are currently working within the, the market or the industry that you're looking to go to. Have those frank conversations with them. The thing is, if you're a product manager, for the most part, you can have exceptional communication skills, which is like, 90% of the job really because you have to communicate on all levels so I think salary have conversations with people find out what they're on do your research because the thing is you'll you'll get paid what you're looking to get paid and if you feel like you're valued higher then then so be it yeah that, that's 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 great COVID you know, brought a lot of the, you know, remote work. And so what I'm now interested in, like understanding are the companies looking to hire cross border, you know, are they now open? You know, if everybody, if the candidates are really working from home, 
has there been interest of hiring uh, different time zones, different, you know, you know, outside, you know, US hiring in Canada, UK or other countries, like, has there been like any cro cross hiring type? Have you already seen that? Or is, has there been any interest in that? Yeah, we have. <laughs> we have actually, it's been interesting. And, and we talk about some of the things that have happened over the last 12 months that have been uh, appalling and, and, you know, detrimental, etc. But, you know, on the positive side, we look at the job market, and the open now to remote work. Um, the US, for example, we had a vacancy come in last week uh, for a great blockchain company, but you need to be in the office two days a week. Now, if someone said to me 12, 18 months ago that you only had to be in the office two days a week, mm -hmm. it'd be a fantastic role. Now, the fact is that the manager loves to collaborate um, and it's, you know, he wants people physically in the office for two days. Um, the pushback from the market it's you know it's quite, it's quite funny to see so there's a change in mindset so what, what's happened now in the us 99 percent of the clients we work with cross-border which is great so that opens up a lot more opportunities for the market as you'd expect now internationally we've got one client that uh, is open for international hires um just have to be on the east coast time zone um and with that there are some caveats to that whereas some of the organizations we work with will need to have a legal entity within that particular state or within that particular country to then be able to pay the salary and the comp level or whatever it might be just from a legal perspective so we've had for example we had a a, a client that chris has done a lot of business with and we had an offer for a, a candidate and um they were moving from new york to canada and they wanted to hire but because they didn't have a legal entity in canada they couldn't go ahead with the hire um, and then, you know, we have a big financial services client we work with, and they were really like, we want people in state relocating. And as we've developed the relationship and as remote working has taken a lot more uh, of a prominent um, focus, they are now like, they could be in the states where we have legal entities because of just jurisdiction. So what it has done, yes, it's completely opened up the market. Internationally, again, we've got clients we had one example last week where their engineering team of a startup is in mainland Europe and they're East Coast based and they can't, they said we couldn't have anyone on the West Coast, mm -hmm. uh, you know, the right person they might do, but ideally they wouldn't look there just yet because of the time difference from the West Coast into mainland Europe. Mm -hmm. Again, it'd be like a little bit of us speaking, but a little bit different. It'll be a lot later than, than we are at night now. So, but what that does do, it opens up people in the UK or mainland Europe because of the time zone. So it's just interesting. It just, there's no, like, it will depend on the organization. And sometimes it can depend on where the engineering team's based, because as a product manager, you no doubt be communicating with them. And then um, if the company has a legal entity within the countries that you're based or the, the states that you are, then certainly an option. So if there's an organization out there, and, and it's not a guarantee, but maybe one that you're fond of, um, but they have a headquarters in, in I don't know, New York, but you're based in, in, in the Bay Area, then have a look and see if they have offices, have a legal entity there. That might be an option then to ask the question, rather than seeing maybe a role that's advertised that says strictly um, New York. Now with the remote working, there's, there could well be uh, another approach you can take to it, given that everyone's open now to remote working due to the pandemic. Yeah, yeah. That's awesome. Do you um, do you think this trend, if you will, 
uh, of hiring cross borders um, is perhaps here to say. I'm just, just your opinion. You know, what do you think? From uh, do you think? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think so. I think I think the the talent pool for organisations has opened up, mm. whereas they will realise now that they don't have to be in the office to hire the best people. You know, even even as an organisation, we have okay, we have a London office, we have offices in across North America, but we collaborate, and it's like we have teams that are distributed in the same team that are in different offices, and you know, it's just adjusting. And again, of course, it comes down to adjusting of time zones, but. I feel like if, if people were just to stop looking at the remote option, they would lose an awful lot of opportunity to then hire some very good people in the simplest terms. So I like to think it would continue. Yeah, yeah. I would uh, 100% agree with that as well. That's awesome. That's op- that, that does open up, uh, you know, a lot of, I think, opportunities for candidates as well as for the companies as well. Um, but yeah. a very good point there is about the time zones. And so I think that's um, from hiring from companies perspective, you know, when they're hiring, they would, I'm assuming that they would similar same time zone or the least amount of difference in the time zone would make a lot of like sense. So if, if they're hiring, like, for example, New York, you know, from the East Coast, hiring in cross border Canada might make just absolute sense, you know, something in the same time zone. Do you see that as a possibility or have you seen that also? Like can candidates from, you know, India specifically getting hired since he asked this one? People can if they're, they're open to relocating, but for the most part, our, our clients are not necessarily open for that at the moment. There's a lot of people that have made it happen, so it's definitely impossible. Mm-hmm. Um, but networking, I think, is key with that. Understanding the market making sure that the communications there on point in terms of being able to communicate effectively across um and then yeah, that's pretty much it really gary right. yeah i think yeah i don't think it's a, i don't think it's a no i mean again we've, we've we're slowly seeing examples now of clients that are talking about the time zone and engineering teams in europe and of course that's going to be from a time zone perspective that's that's going to be halfway so you know, whilst we don't have opportunities now that would allow that, we haven't really investigated that just yet. So kind of with the possibilities of remote working anyway, why not? You know, that's that'll be that'll be for us to communicate with our clients with and to talk about the individual per se and the skill sets and the value add and, and how it would work. I guess realistically the competition, would they hire someone who's probably in the same time zone? Uh, maybe, but you know, but that doesn't mean it's not possible as Chris said. So you know, I think especially with, with the MBA and, and other characteristics, no doubt that are... Right, right, right. Um, have you seen junior, I know mostly product managers, you know, three to five years of experience, but have you um, seen junior or APM, like associate product manager roles as well? with whatever companies like startups and also large-scale companies yeah yeah we have you know look be brilliant with you like where we see in the market our clients would naturally probably recruit them directly um you know we are probably coming to be a little bit more specialist at the mid-senior director level but we have i mean there was a placement we made um where are we now march so she started uh, on monday um and uh she had two years experience came actually from a marketing background and it started now as a, as a product manager. So, 
is definitely there. We don't necessarily pitch for the work as such. But interestingly enough, right, if we look at places where we've recruited for a big organization, global financial services company, and the whole of the last year, like we were engaged with probably 12, and even before we started working with them, it was all leadership roles like across the board. And now they've made those hires, they're going to be looking for more entry levels, more mids, et cetera. So there will be opportunities out there. Do we see a lot of them? No, but that doesn't mean they're there. But also what we do, we have the relationships with the chief product officers where we can start to ask those questions about the future prospects and would they look at individuals with X, Y, and Z experience that might complement this? Could they look at someone who's an associate come in and learn? Is there room in their roadmap to accommodate good people at that level? Okay. Uh, Pavish has asked, what is the difference between a product manager and a product owner? Um, I'll start us off with this one. And if you guys want to add product owner, somebody in simple, simple terms, product owner generally is somebody um, who is focused on the tactical work, shipping the product there daily, they're integrated with the scrum team and their focus is on shipping the product. And that's it. And generally product, product owner role, I have also in my experience seen with large companies because as the companies get large, they tend to, you know, break the product manager role into, you know, a couple of roles working on the same product, but somebody who's focused on the delivery, the tactical work, and somebody who's looking at the strategy piece. So that's how generally my experience been with the large companies. So, so the difference product owner, they'll be focused on the tactical work and product manager will be more focused on the strategy, looking at a little bit more into, you know, the roadmap, PNL probably, and then things like that. Um, any, any thoughts, Chris, Gary on this? That, that was perfect. That was a perfect explanation. Yeah. Um, all right. We'll get to next couple questions here. How to prepare for PM interview questions. If you're working with a recruiter, they'll be able to help you understand what the actual interview process is, whether that be internal or external. Um, for the most part, you can use YouTube. There's a lot of videos on there, especially like PM interviews from Google, Instagram, Facebook. I've certainly seen a few that really delve into what it's like to interview just in general. Like when you're going in for a product management interview, you're gonna be expected to understand the full life cycle of a product for the most part, whether it be end to end or whatever you've been working on but making sure that communication comes effectively um, through in terms of what your actual involvement was, like Gary mentioned earlier, um, and, and how you implemented. So that's, that star technique for the L at the end for lessons learned is uh, definitely worthwhile um, taking notes from. Venkat asked, how satisfied are the candidates you've placed in their jobs as PMs? I'm curious if this is relatively new type of role. Oh, I'm gonna, well, Every PM that I place, I'm very happy with their position. The only reason why they may not be happy with the position is if they, one, do not have enough responsibility or two, have too much responsibility and they feel like that it's, it's not worth the title that they're currently at. Um, so some may be looking for a level up into more of a director level where they're currently sitting at a senior and they've got too much responsibility at that point. So they may be dissatisfied with the fact that they've got too much work on but are not getting valued for it. Um, the other end of the scale is that some people may not have enough work, but to be honest, as a PM, that can never be the case really, because you're always looking at how to improve things. Um, so I guess 
in that aspect to be working with senior levels and and uh, aligning with the mission and the values of what the other ceo is looking at or what their directors above them are looking for the organization and the mission for them to do and then seeing how they can work accordingly with them but that's where communication comes in to make sure that you are communicating how satisfied or dissatisfied you are in your position and what changes need to be made and then driving those changes to make things better. That's a quotable quote that you said, Chris, there. Um, when, when PMs are unhappy, that's the place, you know, if they've had too much responsibility or too little. If I may ask a quick follow-up, it was a really interesting answer. I'm assuming that because hierarchies are relatively flat that there aren't necessarily different levels of PMs, at least in most organizations outside of FAC. So people are just fine more by how much responsibility they have rather than a, a formal level. So in that aspect, I mean, you, you there are definitely different levels of PMs. So you can get like a, a junior PM, that someone that might work underneath a senior PM, and then a senior PM working underneath a director of product management. And there'll be different levels as to how much strategy they'll be able to undertake to move and drive the product or the organization forward or the services that they're working with. You don't have to be a senior PM to own the product strategy. You could still be a mid or, you know, a, even a product manager. It just depends on the organization and your level of confidence and, and what you can display. But yeah, definitely those tierings are in place, um, which is great for career progression as well, um, you know, across across industry. With tiering, you know, in general, you know, when we talk about, I think, uh, just like internet, you know, when when there's a lot lots of content these days, I see on on product management. One of the key pieces I see missing is the context of what level, you know, um, PM role. Not is not everything is expected to you when you when the product manager is just getting started with the PM role, right? So the context is very important. The certain types of tasks like strategy and stuff only come in for PMs, you know, a little bit at a later stage, which is, you know, once they've been in the product role, product manager role for at least good two to three years, at least three years, I would say, you know, before that. So that's where this product owner role comes in, where large companies might define it as a product owner or, you know, small companies, you know, startups, you know, they might just have one role, but they still, the responsibility is that tactical work is shipping the product. So whenever you know you come across con you know product management content i think the context is very important that not everything applies to that one pm who has to do everything it's very dependent on the industry the type of you know the role it is the type of product it is the level of experience the company is looking for so i think if you guys can have a little bit of that mindset to look at it with some context or ask the content to uh, context to whoever the writer is or author of the of the content I think Rahul here said is there some is there something related to product in resume that catches your eye you so Chris I think you said that somewhere so for freshers for somebody who's fresh grad looking for APM role um, fresh out of college or just in general APM role is there something you suggest to get like attention for from recruiters or hiring managers? Yeah, I mean, so what from what I've seen in terms of I haven't seen that many junior PM positions or, or candidates really because of the roles that I work. But for the most part, from what I've seen from other leaders in the industry, creating a product, becoming your own CEO of a product that could be anything that could be creating a website. Right. And you'll be the product 
manager of that website, managing the product, managing the, whether you get yourself your own design team or your own uh, technical team behind you, um, that's fine. But essentially, if you, if you become your own product manager, which is free, because you can, you can do it yourself, um, then you can put that on your resume and display it, show what you've done, show the lessons that you've learned from it. Um, and just having that own experience and taking ownership is something that could be invaluable for getting in your first role with zero experience of industry experience. That's great, that's great, thank you. This has been such a great session, so many great tips and insights into hiring processes, interview process uh, with the candidates and, and, and it's just been amazing. Any final tips uh, you guys have for the product review community before we wrap up, Gary and Chris? Yeah, I guess um, the tips are just to keep to keep going. The market itself is hugely it's busy. It's you know the, the amount of startups out there, the amount of established organisations that are going through transformations. There will be opportunities out there for sure. And I feel like you know, I think Chris touched upon it. It's just about connecting out and reaching out to people, and it, it's hard if there's no prior experience. But I feel like even with product managers that do have experience, it's kind of understanding on. Have, have some self-awareness about what, what you'd like to do and what maybe you're good at. And that could be like being more customer focused or it might be more engineering focused, design focused, business focused. And you think, actually, that's where I, I have my forte is and that's what I would like to do. Promote that on your resume. Um, as Chris suggested, if there's any projects you can do, um, extracurricular work that you can do behind the scenes, obviously there's courses out there, there's research, there's Mizzou's help, of course, you know, anything to get, that exposure, I think that's that's the sort of the starting point. And then, you know, I guess it's kind of in the product world, nine times out of 10, those managers will be the chief product officers or they will be the director of project management. So they're the people to target with, you know, I guess a little bit more insight. But I feel like if you're starting out, it's kind of hard, it is hard, and I have empathy with you on that. But if you can understand where you feel you would be strongest, um, because product the, the life cycle itself is you know it's, it's it's long and it's going to be hard to find out exactly where your forte is but individually the best product managers we work with know where their strengths are and yeah network keep communicating with people how can we connect with you i think for the audience here i'm gonna put so gary and and chris both are on linkedin for gary it's gary charles at tda creative and for chris it's chris newland Thank you so much, guys. I am so, so excited. I'm probably going to be listening to this, you know, a few part bits and pieces here, rewind to kind of um, see what I missed. <laughs> um, all right. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure to have you both here. Thank you. Thank you for listening till the end. You can sign up for my weekly newsletter where I humbly write on product management, product discovery, tech news, self-development and growth, and my lessons from nearly a decade of being in product. You can find all the details on my Instagram page with the username Product Career. Again, your host Nazuk Jain signing off. Take care.